Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware, we have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit, but frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to For Fuck's Sake, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Katie, and the Minnesotan 13-lined squirrel recording with me remotely is Ellen. 13, huh? Good thing I don't have triscidecophobia. I got some triscuits in the kitchen if you want them. Not the same thing, but triscuits do sound good. They're tasty. I like triscuits. They got a great texture to them. (laughs) Are we still going? (laughs) Yeah, but okay, let's just fly into the Phoenix flashback. Last week, we covered the second half of Chapter 31, OWLs, and these sort of corresponding film scenes. Astronomy takes a back seat when cloaked figures make their way on the scene. Being an unconventional teacher is apparently not only a fireable offense, but an arrestable one as well. You can tell a lot about a person by whether or not they stun a good boy in the best little pud-pud. Professor Tofty tries to bring some order back to the OWLs, but really, it's like trying to collect water in a sieve. Ernie McMillan? Well, he's just a twat, isn't he? Movie twins give entirely no fucks about possibly derailing someone's future, and Harry's dreams but not dreams choose very inopportune moments to let him know his dog father is in a bit of trouble. During episode 175, womp womp, our Potter pondering was, what do you think about Harry just randomly having the vision about Sirius's capture, as opposed to dreaming about it? Also, do you think Umbridge would have actually used Avada Kedavra on Hagrid if it got to that? Hi, Ellen and Katie. This is Ashley with this week's Potter Pondering. How do I feel about Harry just having a vision that Sirius was snatched, opposed as having a dream? And do I think that Umbridge would have marked Hagrid if she could? Well, first of all, I think that was kind of dumb. They literally turned Harry into that so raven for a second. And that's just weird as fuck. And correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he dream about Arthur in the movie? But now he's having that so raven visions. He's a psychic. Anyway, about Professor Umbridge. I honestly think she's just an evil, nasty lady. And that she would probably think that killing him would be gracious compared to what would happen to him in Azkaban. I really think she got pleasure from fucking up people's lives and seeing them hurt. Y'all remember how she was grinning and smirking when Harry was cutting his hand up in detention? She don't want to kill him. She want to torture him. Something wrong with that lady. She crazy. G'day, guys. Jackson here with my Potter Pondering. So how do I feel about Harry's vision of Sirius just being random and not being, you know, from falling asleep in the exam and as it normally is. Yeah, not a fan. As I've said so many times, not a fan. And as for the second pondering, would Umbitch have Advatica David Hagrid? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she would have. That bitch would have killed Hagrid if she could. I'm not sure if she'd have been able to because of the amount of power needed behind Avada Kedavra, but if she could have, she would have done it. Hey guys, Mike calling in for the Potter Pondering, talking about how I feel about Harry having a vision instead of a dream for the last quote-unquote dream from the book. Gotta say, I didn't hate it. To me, it kind of makes sense, like... I get the filmmakers are kind of going for uh, this one's more powerful and somehow different and therefore more significant than the previous ones. So like having a vision kind of emphasizes how it's unlike the other ones, it's more significant, kind of adds a importance to it, a bit of a punch. So I, I definitely get that they're going for and honestly didn't hate the change. Now, I mostly didn't hate the change because I didn't really like how the nightmares are presented but that's a whole different thing. Basically, didn't measure up to the book, but what else is new? So I'll just leave it at that. All right, thanks so much. Bye. 
Hi, this is Jessica answering the first part of this week's Potter Pondering. Do I think it's weird Harry suddenly has, like, a full waking vision? Yes, it is weird, considering the only other times in the movie he sees into Voldemort's mind is that same old dream sequence over and over again. In the book, of course, he has a few visions that are like the straight up all he's awake with the pain in his scar. So it's interesting the things they choose to keep the same as the books and the things they change. Like, who decides that? And why weren't they fired? Of all the times she was supposed to be awake, but they kept showing that same ass nightmare sequence. They finally had another book moment when he actually was dreaming. And they went into the opposite. Shocker. I will never understand this. I do think it would have been funny if instead of serious, Harry used the nickname he was supposed to use in public. And like, instead of him saying, serious, he would have been like, oh, snuffles. You know? Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh, you know. All right. The second part of my Potter pondering. Do I think toad-faced, child-hating, prejudiced, racist, evil hag would have used the killing curse on a half-giant who is an ally to Dumbledore? Hmm. I raise you this question, though. Does the killing curse work the same on Hagrid? So many of the other spells rolled right off of him because of his giant's blood. So it just makes me wonder if the killing curse would work in the same way against him. Like, do you have to be, like, super powerful using the killing curse, which Umbridge ain't that. But you also have to really mean the killing when you use it. So, like, that does go in her favor. So that just makes me curious. I just created a whole new big thing that I'm going to have to think about, but yes, of course I think she'd use it on him. She was about to crucio a bunch of children. There is no line she won't cross. Unless, of course, it's a helped child who's on fire. You know, then that's going too far. But for real, I would not put anything past that bitch. She attacked Hagrid out of the blue in his hut in the middle of the night. And we know, if given the chance, he would have gone peacefully because he was already expecting to be fired anytime soon. But no, of course, that bitch wanted to provoke him so she could claim he was a danger to the students. And, you know, she would then spin it that she had, was attacked by him when she was just trying to, you know, fire him or whatever. But, yeah, I would not put anything past her of course she would use the killing curse on hagrid thank you so much for your responses our trivia question last week was what does Ginny suggest she and luna tell people to get them to avoid the corridor near umbridge's office Ginny suggests they tell people someone let off a load of garroting gas a lie that she was ready with because fred and george were planning on actually doing it before they left Congratulations goes to Kalista Whitewolf. Woohoo! She cut off Megan's streak, which Mike isn't remotely upset about. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I am loving the competition. Mm-hmm. Will Kalista start a streak, or will Megan get there first next week, or Mike or someone else? We shall see. For now, let's dive into the first half of Chapter 32, Out of the Fire, and the slightly corresponding film scenes well scene yeah singular one chapter 32 out of the fire part one harry insists that he's fine and that he doesn't want to go to the hospital wing as professor tofty helps him to the entrance hall looking at him with concern he informs tofty that he just fell asleep and had a nightmare the old wizard sympathetically pats Harry on the shoulder and acknowledges that it happens with the pressure of examinations. He suggests that Harry get some water and then return to the Great Hall to round off his last answer, since the exam is nearly over, but Harry just stammers that he's done as much as he can. 
Tofty gently tells him that he will collect his examination paper and that he should go have a nice lie down. Harry agrees, but the moment the old man disappears back into the Great Hall, he runs up the marble staircase and all the way to the hospital wing, where he startles Madame Pomfrey as he bursts through the door. She demands to know what he's doing there and then sadly informs him that McGonagall was sent to St. Mungo's when he explains that he's there to see her urgently. Harry is stunned and beginning to fill with terror. Dumbledore's gone, Hagrid is gone, and McGonagall is gone, so no one is left to tell about his dream. Madame Pomfrey acknowledges Harry's shock, pointing out that none of them could have stunned Minerva McGonagall by daylight, echoing Hagrid and calling it cowardice. She says that she'd resign in protest if she wasn't worried what would happen to the students, but Harry just blankly agrees before turning and blindly walking out into the corridor, his panic expanding as he isn't sure what to do next. A voice in his head tells him to go to Ron and Hermione, and he takes off running again, pushing annoyed students out of the way until he finds them coming towards him on the marble staircase. Hermione immediately asks him what happened and if he's all right, but instead of responding, he directs them to follow him along the first floor corridor and into an empty classroom so he can tell them in private that Voldemort has Sirius. They ask how he knows and he explains that he fell asleep during the exam and saw it. Hermione asks him where and how and he tells her that he doesn't know how, but he knows exactly where, describing the room at the Department of Mysteries full of shelves covered in glass balls. He fills them in on how they're at the end of row 97, and Voldemort is trying to use Sirius to get whatever it is he wants from there, by torturing him, and says he will kill him in the end. Harry realizes he's shaking, and sits on a nearby desk as he asks his friends how they're going to get there. After a moment of silence, Ron questions this, so Harry loudly clarifies to the Department of Mysteries so they can rescue Sirius. Both Ron and Hermione don't think this is the best idea, Ron stammering out a protest, and Hermione trying to use logic on Harry, asking how Voldemort could have gotten Sirius there with no one noticing. Harry is too upset to listen and just yells back that he doesn't know, he just wants to know how they're going to get there. Hermione continues to try and use logic, pointing out that it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon and the ministry is likely full of workers but Harry just retorts that the Department of Mysteries has always been empty when he's been there. Hermione reminds him that he's never been there, he's only dreamt about the place, and again Harry shouts, this time reminding her that they aren't normal dreams, and bringing up what happened with Ron's dad. Ron agrees that Harry has a point, but Hermione still doesn't think the situation makes sense, wondering how Voldemort could have even gotten a hold of Sirius since he's at Grimmauld Place. Ron worries that he might have cracked and gone out for some fresh air, but Hermione still doesn't think that it makes sense for Voldemort to use Sirius to get the weapon or whatever it is he wants. Harry insists that there could be loads of reasons, and Ron suggests that it could have something to do with Sirius's brother being a Death Eater, but Hermione still isn't buying it since there isn't any proof. Ron is fully on Harry's side now because of the dreams, but Hermione is determined to make her point and nervously tells Harry that she's worried he has a sort of saving people thing. They argue back and forth a bit about what she means, and Harry finally tells her to just spit it out since they're wasting time. Hermione explains that she's concerned that Voldemort knows that Harry is the sort of person to go save Sirius, like how he did with Ginny in the Chamber of Secrets, and she thinks he might be trying to lure him to the Department of Mysteries. Harry doesn't care if that is Voldemort's goal, because there's no one left to tell, and if he doesn't go, Sirius will be killed. Hermione points out that it could have been just a dream, and Harry completely loses it at this point, yelling about them not being just dreams and asking what she thinks all the occlumency was for. When she tries to interject that Dumbledore didn't want him to have those dreams anymore and she thinks he should just put it out of his mind, Harry just continues shouting that he can't just put it out of his mind, and his yelling draws the attention of Ginny and Luna, who enter the room and ask what he's yelling about. Harry roughly tells Ginny not to mind, and she coolly comments on his tone, saying she's only wondering if she can help. He shortly tells her she can't. 
He shortly tells her that she can't, and Luna calmly points out how rude he's being. Harry doesn't have the time or patience for this, but Hermione interjects to put forward that they can help, suggesting they use Ginny and Luna as lookouts while they go use Umbridge's fire as a way to try and contact Sirius to check that it isn't a trick of Voldemort's. Luna wonders if they mean Stubby Boardman, but Harry just ignores her as he agrees with Hermione's idea as long as they do it quickly because if not, he's going to the Department of Mysteries right away. Luna also asks how he's going to get there, and this is ignored too. Hermione says that one of them will have to go find Umbridge and tell her something to get her away from her office. Ron offers to, saying he'll tell her Peeves is smashing up the Transfiguration Department or something, even thinking he might be able to persuade him to do it for real if he finds him along the way. Hermione agrees and paces as she adds on that they need to keep students away from her office too, so none of the Slytherins can tip her off. Ginny offers her and Luna to stand at either end of the corridor to warn people to avoid it because someone let off a load of garroting gas. Hermione agrees with this as well, and then tells Harry that the two of them can sneak into the office under the invisibility cloak so he can try to talk to Sirius while she keeps watch. Harry recognizes Hermione's offer here as one of solidarity and loyalty, and awkwardly agrees and thanks her. Hermione then says she thinks they will only have about five minutes, which Harry says will be enough before insisting they go immediately. A shocked Hermione questions going now, and Harry angrily asks her if she wants to wait until after dinner or something, reminding her that Sirius is being tortured right now. She accepts this and instructs him to get his invisibility cloak and says she'll meet him at the end of Umbridge's corridor. Without responding, Harry flies out of the room and pushes his way through the crowd of people, running into Dean and Seamus on his way. He basically ignores them as they talk about the celebration they're planning for the end of exams and leaves them without saying anything once he gets his cloak and Sirius's knife. He tears back along the corridor and meets up with Ron, Hermione, Ginny, and Luna, who are all huddled together at the end of Umbridge's corridor. He says he's got it and Hermione sends Ron to head off Umbridge and Ginny and Luna to opposite ends of the corridor. She and Harry get under the invisibility cloak and wait for the coast to be clear. They can hear Ginny convincingly telling people not to go that way, and eventually the word spreads and the corridor empties. As Harry and Hermione walk past her, invisible, Hermione tells Ginny good one and not to forget the signal, which is a loud chorus of Weasley is our king. They reach Umbridge's office and Harry unlocks the door with Sirius's knife. They go into the kitten plate covered but otherwise empty room, and Hermione sighs in relief that there doesn't appear to be additional security. They pull off the cloak and Hermione stands out of sight by the window with her wand out as Harry dashes to the fireplace and grabs the flu powder. He throws a pinch into the grate and sticks his head into the green flames as he calls number 12 Grimmauld Place and feels his head spin its way to the location's kitchen fireplace. As expected, no one is there, but Harry begins shouting for Sirius. He hears a slight scuffling sound and asks who's there to have Creature creep into view and comment on the Potter boy's head being in the fire. He wonders what he's come for, and Harry asks where Sirius is. With a wheezy chuckle, the elf tells Harry that Master has gone out and only cackles at his further inquiries. Harry demands to know if anyone else is there, and Creature just gleefully informs him that he's there alone. He begins to walk away to have a chat with his mistress's portrait, and Harry desperately yells after him, asking if Sirius went to the Department of Mysteries. Creature stops and tells Harry that Master doesn't tell him where he's going. Harry insists that the elf does know, and after a moment of silence, Creature laughs and tells Harry that Master will not come back from the Department of Mysteries, and Creature and his mistress are all alone again, then scurries from the room. The movie section picks up after Harry's vision of Sirius being tortured as he, Ron, and Hermione run up a moving staircase. Hermione wants to know if Harry is sure, and he vehemently explains that he saw it, just like with Mr. Weasley, and the same door that he has been dreaming about for months, but he couldn't remember where he had seen it before. He reminds them that Sirius said Voldemort was after something he didn't have last time and insists that it is in the Department of Mysteries. Hermione begs him to listen, and he stops a few stairs above her and Ron and looks back at her panting. 
Hermione points out that Voldemort may have intended for him to see what he saw, that he is only hurting Sirius to try to get to him. Harry doesn't remotely care if that is what Voldemort is doing, questioning if he is supposed to just let his godfather die. He tells Hermione that Sirius is the only family he's got left, and she and Ron exchange a glance. Ron then asks Harry what they should do, and Harry turns back to running up the stairs, saying they will have to use the flu network. As Hermione mentions the fact that Umbridge has the chimneys under surveillance, the camera cuts to show the silhouette of Hogwarts at dusk, and Harry responds that it's not all of them. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. I feel like they did a good job getting the gist of what we needed to know to move the plot along. I mean, sure. But boy, did they leave stuff out. Yeah. Obviously, one of the biggest reasons for the change is the fact that they changed how and when Harry had the vision slash dream slash whatever they want to say it was. Mm Mm-hmm implanted vision from Voldy. Oops, we don't know that yet. What? That's not Spoilers. a thing. But similar things happened and were said in a similar place-ish, even not fully, but kind of. Yeah. From book to movie. Mm-hmm. There was just a lot more in this book chapter. As the book chapter was multiple paragraphs, not just one like the movie was. Mm-hmm. It starts off right after Harry has the dream and falls out of his seat during the exam. Because it was a dream that happened during an exam, not a vision that happened after an exam was interrupted. Yeah. There wasn't all the hubbub. Not even remotely. The only hubbub was Harry screaming and falling out of his desk. Yes. Which granted quite a bit of hubbub. However, that is definitely some hubbub. Certainly not the amount of hubbub that we had in the movie. No. Professor Tofty is the one proctoring this exam, and he takes Harry out just to the entrance hall. Poor Tofty. <laughs> <laughs> just, he's got the exams where they've got the people getting attacked. He's got the exams where fucking Harry Potter's fainting and shit. Fainting and screaming. <laughs> yeah, like, boy, he's got to be like... Thank God I'm retiring next year. Right? (laughs) Although he's very sympathetic towards Harry after Harry explains to him that he's okay. He just fell asleep and had a nightmare. His immediate thought is pressures of the examinations. It happens. Yeah. So he's probably seen some shit over the years. True. This is probably pretty minimum. But has he seen it consecutive days in a row? I'm sure that the attack that happened on Hagrid and McGonagall and poor Fang, the good boy, was not normal. I would hope not. That'd be very odd if he was just like, oh yeah, we'd run this before. It's all good. Yep, it's the OWLs. (laughs) Shit happens. Pressure of examinations. That time of year again. Yep. (laughs) But like I said, he's very understanding. He thinks that Harry should just maybe get some water and then go back in for the last few minutes of the exam just so he can kind of round off his last answer. Since Mm -hmm. it's almost over, he probably can't really answer more, but maybe he can just conclude what he was doing. Sure. And Harry's just kind of like, no, I'm done. Yeah. I don't think there's any more I can do. I'm going to fail this one and that is absolutely fine with me. Fuck history of magic. Yep. I'm good, bro. So Tofty just says that he'll go collect his examination paper and that he should just go lay down. Good call. Yeah, Harry totally agrees with this, but also doesn't do a single thing that he suggests. Doesn't get water, doesn't go lay down. He takes off running the moment the man disappears back into the Great Hall. And he goes straight to the hospital wing, scares the shit out of Madame Pomfrey because he just (laughs) bursts through the door with no warning. And as she's like, eek, Potter, what are you doing? (laughs) Is that what she was like? That's how I imagine it anyway. Sure. She's a little bit more stern than that, so maybe it wasn't quite so high-pitched, but... I feel it may have been more like a, the fuck? There could be that, too. Eek! The fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Combo of the two. Possibly, yes. He tells her that he needs to see Professor McGonagall. It is urgent and is very disappointed slash scared to learn that McGonagall has been sent to St. Mungo's. She wasn't getting any better. She needed real doctor's care. Madame Pomfrey is totally badass and she can heal most things that need to be healed. But four stunners to the chest when she's that age? Yeah. She needed needed some specialists. Yep. But at this point, it means Dumbledore is gone, Hagrid is gone, and now McGonagall is gone. And Harry's next thought is, there's no one left for me to tell. There is, but we'll get to that. Harry's not in Ravenclaw, okay? (laughs) 
And I also can't blame him for not immediately coming to this conclusion. Well, so yeah, I we'll know. get to it. <laughs> Madame Pomfrey sees the shock on Harry's face and kind of misinterprets it because she doesn't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And she just gets very, I don't want to say uppity because it's so deserved. Like this <laughs> is a statement that makes the most sense for her to be saying in this moment. Yeah. But she just gets really like, that's the attitude. She's like, like any one of them could have stunned Minerva McGonagall by daylight. Like, it's kind of an uppity thing to say, but it's fucking true. Yeah, very true. She also unconsciously echoes what Hagrid said and calls it cowardice. Mm-hmm. Not wrong. Not wrong in the least. No. And she says that she would resign in protest, but she's worried about what would happen to the students if she did. Yep. So, like I said, a little bit uppity, but deservedly so entirely understandable and accurate yes harry's just like yep and then just walks out (laughs) he's kind of panicking he doesn't really know what to do at this point like we said he's not thinking about the one person that's left and he's just what do i do what do i do what do i do and something in his head says go talk to ron and hermione in reality, his brain was probably saying, go talk to Hermione, but then it just like has to include Ron too. <laughs> yeah. Because he's going to be there. Yeah. And truthfully, talking to both of them does serve different purposes. Well, yeah. Hermione usually has the plan. Ron is usually really good support. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying you and me, but also <laughs> you and me. <laughs> well, Yeah. See, I feel like there is some evidence right there that Hermione and Ron could have had a really beautiful partnership. I totally think they could have. Opposites attract. They balance each other out. And I feel like their basic views on life and love and friendship and stuff like that are similar. Yeah. Like the important things they matched on and then they balanced each other out everywhere else. Mm Mm-hmm. That's the best kind of relationship, man. Yeah. But like I said, Harry takes off running again in the hopes of finding his two best friends. He's just pushing students out of the way. They're getting kind of annoyed because nobody has any idea what's going on. They're just getting shoved. Mm -hmm. And he meets them when he gets to the landing of the big marble staircase. They're on their way up. Sure. So it's just like, oh, thank God I found you. This is kind of where it starts to line up with the movie. But like we said, since they had previously changed how and where Harry had the vision... It's not quite the same. For one thing, Harry is already with Ron and Hermione. For another, it just jumps over everything that happened after the vision and starts with our heroes hauling ass up a moving staircase. Yeah, this part definitely parallels, but is streamlined. For sure. When he meets with them in the book, Hermione immediately asks what happened. Is he okay? Obviously, like that's the first question you ask when your friend disappears after falling out of his desk and screaming. Well, yeah. The biggest difference, other than it being in the same place, is instead of Harry having any kind of conversation with them, he says, follow me. But he doesn't even say it. He's just like gesturing. Follow me. And he leads them to an empty classroom so that he has some privacy to talk about the vision. (laughs) Movie Harry doesn't do that. No. (laughs) He's just like shouting in the middle of the stairwell. He gives zero fucks. To be fair, it's the moving staircase. So there weren't a lot of other people nearby. There already was kind of privacy. It made it sound like in the book that this was a transition point and the corridors were filled. Okay. Yeah, I'll give you that then. They were definitely alone on that staircase. They were. In the movie. Mm -hmm. But in the book... He doesn't actually start off with I had a vision. He started off by saying Voldemort has Sirius. And they're like, what? How do you know? I had a vision. (laughs) Or I had a dream. It was one of those dreams. One of Martin Luther King Jr.'s less known speeches. Or it's the Rapunzel song. I have a dream. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Much less peppy. You might want to add some pep. That way it like delivers the bad news better. My dog father's gonna die. (laughs) Okay. All right. Maybe that doesn't work as well. No, I don't think it does. No. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. In response, Hermione wants to know where and how sure. Voldemort could possibly have Sirius. And I think that those are very valid questions. Well, yeah. Harry's just not in a place to be logicked. No. <laughs> he does tell her that he doesn't know how, but he does know exactly where and describes that room at the Department of Mysteries that has all of the shelves and the dusty glass balls 
and that he knows <laughs> that they're at the end of row 97 and that Voldemort is trying to use Sirius to get whatever it is that he wants from there, likely the weapon. Mm-hmm. Tells them that he's torturing him and said that he would kill him in the end. At this point, Harry realizes that he's shaking. So I have a feeling that that adrenaline rush has now ended and he's crashing. Yeah. And he sits on top of a desk to try and like calm himself down a little bit. Yeah. Collect his shit. Yeah. And says, how are we going to get there? This does correspond in a way to what we saw of Harry's vision in the movie. It is corresponding. It's just... We got the end of row 97 and Voldemort trying to use Sirius to get it and all that. It's just... Quite a bit different and streamlined, abbreviated. Yes, very much so. They just left so much out. Mm -hmm. The movie scene almost felt a little abrupt. The movie almost felt a little abrupt. (laughs) Accurate. (laughs) Anyway, he says, how are we going to get there? And it's just silence for a moment mm-hmm. before Ron finally says, get there. And like I said, Harry is on the edge of freaking out if he's not already freaking out. Yeah. And now his voice starts getting louder because that's what he does in this book. Caps Lock Harry. Yeah, we are starting to see the appearance of Caps Lock Harry. And he's just very loudly at this point. He's not quite screaming, but he just very loudly says, get to the Department of Mysteries so we can rescue Sirius. Duh. Do I have to spell it out for you, Ronald? Apparently he does. Apparently. Both of them don't think this is the best idea because it's really not. Yeah. But then we have the two sides Of the same coin with them, I think, where you've got Ron just trying to stammer out his protest and Hermione using more logic on Harry. Mm -hmm. So Ron can't verbalize what he's trying to say and Hermione's just like, but how could Voldemort have gotten Sirius into the Department of Mysteries with nobody noticing? They're like the two most infamous wizards in existence right now. And you think they're just going to walk into the ministry at 5 p.m. in the afternoon when it's likely still full of workers? Sure, Harry. How's that going to work? Please explain this to me. And Harry, like I said, he is not in a place to be logic. And this is when he fully goes caps lock and just goes, I don't know. And I don't (laughs) care. I just want to know how we're going to get there. He has a valid point. He does. He's got a lot to be upset about right he now he really does Hermione also makes a valid point too though she so does that. it's just it is definitely a tough valid point to deliver to an emotional Harry yes definitely and when she makes the comment about the ministry likely being full of workers Harry's only response is that the department of mysteries has always been empty when he's been there sure and Hermione says you've never been there you've only dreamt about the place and Caps Lock Harry gets a little bit louder. I don't know if you can get capsier. Like, maybe he's bolded and capsed right now. <laughs> Underlined and caps yeah. locked. Italicized. <laughs> but he says that they aren't normal dreams and reminds them all about Ron's dad. Which this makes Ron go, well, yeah, Harry has a point. He totally saw my dad and saved his life. You know, he probably did see Sirius. I mean... The logic does track. For Ron, it does. Yes. Hermione is still stuck on the fact that it doesn't make sense because she wants to know how Voldemort could have even gotten hold of Sirius. He's been up at Grim Old Place. Voldemort cannot just walk in there and take him. No. He's been strictly ordered not to leave because that is where he's safe. I mean, it hasn't stopped him before. True. I'm just saying. Very Ron of you. Because Ron's like, well, he may have cracked and gone out for some fresh air. Just saying. But Hermione still comes back and points out that it doesn't really make sense for Voldemort to use Sirius to get the weapon or whatever it is. Like, what connection does he have to it that would make him target him when they don't even know for sure where he is? Yeah. Okay, look. Hermione makes all the valid points. We know this. It's what she does. But... It's Voldemort. That it is. Does he need a reason? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, does this have to be something where every little plot point has to be 
played out and thought of before he'll do something? No, it's Voldemort. He kind of just flies by the seat of his pants sometimes. I think you mean seat of his robes. Sure. Yeah. Well, Harry is the one who's saying that there could be loads of reasons. Yeah. So he may not have one specific reason that would make perfect sense to Hermione, who does like to have her ducks line up. Mm Mm-hmm. But there could be multiple things that feed into this, and we do actually find out the main reason why he targeted, and I'm saying that in quotes because we obviously know where this is going, but why he targeted Sirius. Mm Mm-hmm. There was a very specific reason that makes absolute perfect sense. Yeah. And Hermione does even kind of hit on it in here. But she hasn't fully reached the realization of how accurate she is in the moment. Yeah. Because Ron is over there actually coming up with a pretty decent suggestion. Thinking that it could have something to do with the fact that Sirius's brother was a Death Eater. And maybe he thought he told Sirius something that could connect them to this weapon. I mean, and that's not a terrible thought either. Right. It's not the worst. Hermione, of course, isn't really picking up what he's throwing down here because there's no proof of that. And you know her. She needs to have her fucking proof. Well, yeah. Which is the main reason why I think she's not actually a Ravenclaw. She can be pretty close-minded. Yeah. We've discussed that before, and this, this does really prove it. Yeah, smart girl, if she can read it and see it and feel it. Mm-hmm. But now at this point, it seems like Ron is just completely on Harry's side because Harry's dreams saved his dad's life. He's not about to doubt him here. Yeah. However, Hermione has to keep making her point. She's not ready to let go of the fact that this doesn't make sense. And it doesn't. Logically, no, it doesn't. And I can understand why she wants it to... Make it make sense, (laughs) as Ashley would say. Right. But difficult to do with someone as emotional as Harry in this moment. Mm -hmm. So she's not going to back down. And she just kind of nervously says that she's worried he has a sort of saving people thing. I mean, are you new? (laughs) Right. I feel like she kind of undersold that comment. By a lot. I'm worried you have a sort of saving people thing. Dude, Harry... You fucking play the hero. The word is hero complex. Yes. That is exactly how Harry takes it because that is what she actually means. She was just Mm -hmm. trying to soften the blow. And he's like, okay, fine. You think I'm wasting time playing hero? And she's like, that's not a bad thing. That's not what I'm trying to attack you about. Like, that's not my point. It's not what I'm trying to attack you about. I'm trying to attack you about something totally different. Right. I don't think she's trying to attack him at all, but I think Harry is feeling very combative at this point. I know. It's just the way you phrased it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what happens when you try to pull things out of the seat of your pants. Ew. (laughs) They kind of go back and forth on this a little bit before Harry is just finally like, oh my God, would you just spit it out? We are wasting valuable time. Sirius is being tortured now. We need to go save him. Right? We got shit to do, lady. So Hermione just... I imagine, takes a deep breath and just goes for it. Voldemort knows you, Harry. That's true. Especially after with what happened with Ginny in the Chamber of Secrets. Like, he legit took Ginny to lure Harry down to the Chamber of Secrets. He knows that Harry is the type of person who will save somebody that matters to him. Big facts. Yeah, and she thinks that this could be Voldemort trying to lure him to the Department of Mysteries. Again, big facts. And you know what? It is exactly what he's trying to do. (laughs) Exactly. But that doesn't matter to Harry because he still can't not go. I have to kind of agree with Harry on that, honestly. Like, what else am I going to do, though? So I'm just supposed to ignore it? No. I'm just supposed to sit here and and let my dog father die? Yeah. Harry physically can't do that. No. And if he did do that, he'd beat himself up for the rest of his entire fucking life. Oh, my God, dude. Can you imagine if he wouldn't have gone and the whole thing had turned out to be all real? He'd have lost his mind. He'd have gone insane with the guilt. Absolutely. But on the flip side, could you imagine if he hadn't gone and everything ended up fucking fine? Okay, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Yes, I can, because it would have been a much shorter book six. However. (laughs) So I think that even though Hermione is right, Mm -hmm. 
there was maybe a better way to do this. Yes. And I kind of want to make this our pondering now that I think about it. I would love to know our keeper's thoughts on what Hermione could have said or done to try and help Harry see this Mm -hmm. without setting him off quite so much. Yeah. Because she just points out that this could have just been a dream. Like, just a dream. I mean, yeah. And now Caps Lock Harry is full-on Caps Lock, bolded, italicized, and underlined all at once. Yeah. And he's just yelling about how they're not just dreams, and he wants to know what she thinks all of that occlumency was for. Like, why was he doing all of that if he was just having dreams? Yeah. But with a lot more angst. A lot more caps and a bit more of the lock part. Yeah, sure. Yeah. But it's intense and it's not going well in the book. This conversation is not really working out. No, no. They're at a bit of a stalemate. But that wasn't how it happened in the movie. There was no empty classroom. They just have a similar, though abbreviated, conversation as they run up the stairs. Again, like, just out in the open. Because why not? And I know you said there's no one around. It makes sense. I get it. But you don't know who's like in the corridors or who's lurking in a hallway or a whatever. Right. That's why Harry took him into an empty classroom. I know. But that's what I'm saying. In the movie, he didn't. Yeah. So they were like, we built this fucking staircase. We're going to use it as many fucking shots as fucking possible. He's right. <laughs> like, we got to get our money's worth out of this, guys. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it hasn't paid for itself in spades since the first fucking movie or anything. But whatever. You know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, again, Hermione is skeptical about what Harry thinks he saw. Harry is adamant that he totally saw his dog father get tortured and fucked up, just like before Christmas with Mr. Weasley. So that is a ding. It is. Time and place is different. Conversation's the same. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He then points out that Sirius was the one who said Voldemort was after something, and this vision proves that whatever the fuck it is, is in the Department of Mysteries. That was not directly said like that. No. In the book, but... It was implied. It was implied. So Hermione continues talking to the brick wall that is Harry. He's a brick (laughs) wall. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) Oh my god, really? I had to. I'm so mad I didn't think of it, though. (laughs) Moving on. So she begs him to just chill the hell out and listen. Bringer of logic to most situations that she is points out that this is pretty sketch. And maybe, just maybe, it's actually Voldy fucking with him. Like he's purposely showing this to Harry to fuck with his head. And that motivation is a little different than how they set it up in the book but it really is the same general idea yeah especially with the fact that hermione is trying to logic harry right now for sure and harry is like not willing to be logicked no harry being harry points out that he gives zero fox why he saw this vision because let's face it even if voldemort is trying to get to him that doesn't change the fact that his dog father is currently in the shit yeah Like, I don't know if you remember or not, miss, I've got both parents, but I'm kind of lacking in the family department, and he's pretty much the last I've got, so maybe I'm not gonna let Voldemort kill him? Maybe, just maybe? Like, just maybe? Just a thought? I kind of don't want him to be dead. Just saying. I feel like in this scene, movie Harry was more mic drop, because how do you fucking argue with that? Right? Whereas book Harry was more emotional shouty caps lock harry yes exactly and again there really wasn't a whole lot of caps lock at this moment in the movie no honestly he wasn't as caps locky in the movie as much no either he had a few moments they weren't that good though. but they weren't yeah we had the look at me with dumbledore that was definitely caps locked but and that was great Daniel Radcliffe did a wonderful job at being caps lock. He can do it. Oh, he hit that fucking caps lock button. He did. He held it down even. However, maybe Steve Clove's caps lock button was broken when he was typing up the script. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Because Book Harry pissed me the fuck off with how angry he was. You know what? He pissed a lot of people off. It wasn't until I became a teacher of teenaged boys. Mm Mm-hmm. 
that I realized how well he was actually written in this book yeah. as a traumatized teenage boy. I know right after the book came out and all my friends read it and we were all talking about everybody's main complaint was the caps lock. They yeah. hated caps lock Harry. And it took them, you know, two or three more read throughs to kind of go, actually, my mind has been changed. I'm kind of understanding this now. And they realized after doing a couple of those read throughs that, you know what? Okay, I can see this now. Yeah. He's 15. He's angry. He's got all these feelings and emotions that he doesn't know what the fuck to do with that are things that don't have shit to do with Voldemort even. Yeah. And he's traumatized. Yeah. They're just normal teenage angsty feelings. Then add in that he literally has reason to be upset. Yeah. It ends up making sense. It does. Sadly, the movie did not give us that. No, it really didn't. Like, he gave us some snark. He gave us, you know, if the parents only knew. Well, I haven't got any of those, have I, Ron? Yeah. We got that. We got some snark. We got some angst. We got a little bit here and there. We did not get Caps Lock Harry like we were supposed to. No, we did not. It's very sad. But it is what it is. Regardless of how they did this scene, though, it still held on to the essence. It did very much so. And I do like that they kept in Harry just being like, well, what do you want me to do? Just let him die? Right. He's like, I can't do that. Yeah. This is the most ridiculous thing you could have possibly said to me in this moment because there's no way that was going to happen. And Hermione should have known that. Yeah. But again, Hermione is the logical one. Yeah. And sometimes emotion escapes the logic. Yeah, it does. And then there's Ron. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this book should have just been titled and then there's ron because ron wants to know what the fuck they're gonna do about it he's all about it he's just like okay but what do we do yeah ron's not the planner he's the backup vocals true so ron's just like okay sure that this is all going on okay we get it what the fuck are we supposed to do about it and harry's like uh the flu network duh which sure why not and we will get to that in mm -hmm. the book, this is just so abbreviated that they, they jumped, jumped over, over a few quite steps. a bit. Yes. <laughs> At this point, Hermione points out that Umbridge has all the fireplaces under lockdown. But Harry points out that as his meddling informed him, not all of the fireplaces are bugged. And that can't possibly turn out horrible in any way, shape or form. <laughs> I mean, Right? No. Right. Definitely not. Oh, yeah. That's not going to go badly at all. Actually, as we'll see next week. Exactly. Yes. In both the book and the movie, it happens a little bit differently, and both of them are shit. Good times. Can't wait. Same bat time, same bat channel. But let's keep going with the book, because book's not done yet. No. Movie section is book keeps going. Because, mm -hmm. like we said, definitely abbreviated. And in addition, it left out significantly more details and drops entire plot points. Because the movie hates us and doesn't want us to be happy. Yeah. And this is what I'm talking about. This is where, like, no, Hermione, this was not the thing to say. And I would love to know our Keeper's thoughts on a better way to say this. <laughs> but Hermione literally responds to Harry's comments about... Why do you think I was doing all of that occlumency? By saying, because Dumbledore didn't want you to have those dreams anymore, so you should just put them out of your mind. Harry, pretend that you don't know your dog father is in danger of probably being killed. Just yes. pretend you don't know that. Just, you know what? Can we talk about something else? How was your test? Can we talk about that, please? Because right? I'd like to know. I don't know if that's the route to go, but... It feels like that's where Hermione would have gone next. <laughs> right? But I do really want to know what our keepers think and what could have been said maybe that would have been better. Mm-hmm. Let's just do a little role-playing here. Ooh, kinky. <laughs> Not that kind of role-playing. Oh. We're like a D&D type situation. Oh, yeah. Because on this one, it's like Hermione rolled a one on trying to convince Harry. <laughs> <laughs> said the worst thing she could have possibly said. 
Because naturally, Harry just shouts in response, I can't just put that out of my mind. What the fuck are you talking about? Which is very similar to how the movie did do it. Mm -hmm. Harry just being like, what do you want me to do? Just let him die? It's very kind of similar, even though it's quite different. He was much more matter of fact in the movie. Yeah, like I said, it was more of a mic drop than an emotional reaction. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And then one of the, of course, biggest differences is the fact that all of his yelling draws the attention of Ginny and Luna, who just kind of like pop their head in the door of the empty classroom and just go like, hey, we heard Harry shouting, (laughs) recognized his voice. Heard a kerfuffle. What's going on? (laughs) We heard some hullabaloo. What's What's going on? (laughs) And then Harry, you know, being Caps Lock Harry in this point, I think he does actually take Caps off, but probably keeps it italicized maybe bolded and just goes never you mind to Ginny, who kind of coolly just says back to him hey watch your tone i was only wondering if i could help because you don't fuck with Ginny. i love Ginny so much i know i love she is the only one who can dish it right back to him Mm -hmm. they should have had Ginny approach harry about what to do in this situation not hermione honestly man she knows how to handle him Yeah, she really does. She's a bit like a dominatrix in a way, where she knows where she has to be tough, but she knows when to just be like, it's okay. But she also knows when to draw that line and be like, you don't talk to me like that, sir. Yeah. That's not a thing we're doing today. And I love that. Yeah, no, I think she does handle him well, especially when he hits caps lock mode. Yeah. Unfortunately, Harry doesn't think that there is anything she can do to help still being kind of sassy with her. And Luna is just, you know, almost absentmindedly, you know, you're being really rude. (laughs) I love Luna. I know. And I'm so upset that we were deprived of this. Oh, God. Like, I would have just loved to see the look on Daniel Radcliffe's face when Ivana Lynch in her Luna voice is just like, you're being rather rude, you know. Yeah. Like in the same tone as when they're in the carriages and she's like, I hope there's pudding. Right, exactly. You're being rude, you know. And Harry's just like, what the fuck? Go away. Right. However, Hermione seems to have found a way to salvage the previous damage that she did. And she's just like, okay, maybe I can get Harry to see the logic. Mm -hmm. And she says, no, wait, they can help us. Yeah. And Harry's just like, what are they going to do? We need to go now. And Hermione says, no. We can use them as lookouts while you go into Umbridge's office to use the fire to try to contact Sirius to check and make sure that this isn't just Voldemort fucking with you. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the best parts of this entire scene that I also would have loved to see is Luna then interjects wondering if by Sirius Black they mean Stubby Boardman. (laughs) (laughs) And for some reason, everybody just ignores this question. I mean, I feel like it's par for the course with Luna. Yeah. Harry just ignores it and focuses on what Hermione said. Sure. Yeah. And he actually does agree with this idea. He just wants it to happen quickly because if it can't happen quickly, he's going to go to the Department of Mysteries right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Which makes Luna go, how are you going to get there? And then this gets ignored too because he's like... You are like 10 minutes late to that conversation. That is what I asked first. (laughs) (laughs) We've already covered this. Okay. Moving on. Now, this is when Hermione goes from logicking mode to planning mode because legit she is good at making plans. Mm -hmm. And she just starts rattling off the different things that they have to do. One of them is go find Pepto Bitch Mall and tell her something, anything to get her away from her office. Keep her away from the office for a while, thinking maybe they could say Peeves is smashing something up or something. Yeah. Ron jumps on this. He's like, that sounds like a good job for me. I'll say Peeves is smashing up the transfiguration department and maybe I can even persuade him to do it if I meet him along the way. (laughs) He's totally on board with fucking with Pepto Bitch Mall's life right now. So who knows? Right. And they add this little comment in there about how serious they know Hermione is about doing this because she doesn't even react to the thought of the transfiguration department getting smashed up. Yeah. So you know she means business now. She just agrees with it. And then she starts pacing back and forth. 
as she's thinking through her plan and she says that they need to come up with something to keep the students away from Pepto Bitchmall's office too because if any of the Slytherins catch them doing that they're going to immediately go tip her off. Mm-hmm. Jenny then says hey Luna and I can stand at either end of the corridor and tell people that someone let off a load of garroting gas. Which was our trivia question. That it was. Hermione's kind of surprised that she came up with this lie so quickly and she just shrugs her shoulders and says Fred and George were planning on doing it before they left. (laughs) Oh, she is so their sister. I know. It's so great. I love it. So Hermione's just says, yeah, okay, that'll work. And she turns to Harry and says, while they're doing all of that, the two of us can sneak into Pepto Bitchmull's office under your invisibility cloak and then you can try to talk to Sirius. Actually, she says, and then you can talk to Sirius. And Harry's just like, he's not going to be there, Hermione. (laughs) (laughs) So she's like, you can try to contact Sirius while I keep watch. Yes. And it's actually the fact that Hermione is making this offer of keeping watch and putting herself in an expellable situation Mm -hmm. that makes Harry realize that she's showing him solidarity and loyalty and she is on his side. Yeah. Even if she doesn't fully agree with his assessment, she is there for him. And he's just like, okay, we'll do it your way. And he kind of awkwardly thanks her. Yeah. As much as he can at that moment. Sure. Right. Hermione says that even with all of that, she thinks they're only going to have about five minutes. But Harry is sure that that will be enough and just says, let's go. And she's just like, wait, going now? And Harry's just like, no, let's go after dinner. Like, yes, we're going now. Sirius is being tortured now. Like, what do I have to say to get that through your head? This is happening now. Hermione, there is nothing bigger than caps lock, bolded, italicized, and underlined. What would you like? He's just making the font bigger at this point. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly. So she's just like, okay, fine. And she tells him to go get his invisibility cloak and says that they'll meet him at the end of Pepto Bidgemal's corridor. Sure. Harry doesn't even respond to this. He just turns and runs out the room, <laughs> pushes his way through that crowd of people that was still out there because how the book had it. Mm-hmm. He runs into Dean and Seamus while he's on his way and they're all headed up to Gryffindor Tower together. So they just start talking to him and are caught up enough in what they're talking about that they don't even realize he's ignoring them. Yeah. But they say that they're planning a celebration for the end of exams and somebody's going to get them fire whiskey and they want to know if Harry will put any money towards it. And Harry just makes his way up to his dorm room, gets his cloak, gets his knife, puts it all in his pockets and just leaves without saying a word to them at all. They don't even notice right away. They're so caught up in planning this celebration. Right. And Harry's just back in the corridor running along, meeting up with his besties Mm -hmm. where they agreed. And... He tells Hermione that he's got it. He's set. So Hermione sends Ron to head off the Pepto Bitch Mall. And then Ginny and Luna take the opposite ends of the corridor. And she and Harry kind of duck behind a little statue so they can get under the cloak unnoticed. Sure. And then they just wait for the coast to be clear. And they're on the end of the corridor where Ginny is mm-hmm. so they can hear her being very convincing and exasperated, telling people not to go down that way because somebody let off a load of garroting gas. Yeah. And in response, people are complaining. One person's like, I can't see no gas. And Jenny's just like pretending to be exasperated and very convincing about it. That's because it's colorless. But if you want to walk through, carry on. Then we'll have your body as proof for the next idiot who doesn't believe us. (laughs) I just love her so much. Oh, Jenny, Jenny, Jenny. That's my girl. But eventually the word spreads and nobody's trying to walk down that corridor anymore. So... Hermione and Harry start creeping down the corridor under the cloak themselves. And when they pass Ginny, Hermione's like, good one. And tells her not to forget the signal, which Harry goes, well, what's the signal? And apparently they settled on a loud chorus of Weasley is our king. Sure. How funny would it be if somebody was just walking down the corridor singing that just to be obnoxious? (laughs) And they thought it was the signal and panicked. (laughs) Sure, whatever. Yeah, that's the downside of using a horn as a signal during rush hour, you know. Right? But still, they get to Pepto Bitchmall's office, and Harry uses Sirius's knife to unlock it, and it literally just slides right down the crack of the door and just magically pops the door open. Well, the knife wasn't a fucking thing in the movie, so there's that. Right. But Harry remembered he had that gift from Sirius, so... At least he remembered that one. You know, it would have been super convenient if he had come across the mirror when he was getting the knife. 
Yeah. Of course. Ugh. Moving. We're getting there, Ellen. We are. I know. We're so I know. close to I know. it. But other than all of the kittens like snoozing on their plates, mm-hmm. the, the office is entirely empty. Hermione's pretty relieved because she was worried there was going to be some kind of additional security after the second Niffler got in. Mm-hmm. Was put in. <laughs> but at this point, they think there was none. Sure. And they take the cloak off and Hermione goes and takes up a stand by the window so she can see out the window and kind of be hidden from immediately somebody coming in the door. Mm -hmm. She's got her wand down ready just in case. Harry goes straight to the fireplace and grabs a pinch of the flu powder, which he throws into the grate, sticks his head in the green flame, says number 12, Grimald Place, and then goes through the whole weird only his head spinning motion yeah. until it stops spinning and he is in Grimold Place's fireplace in the kitchen. Sure. Which is empty, as he expected, because he thinks Sirius is gone. Mm-hmm. Because he thinks he's at the Department of Mysteries. You're right. He does hear a scuffling sound and calls out who's there. And it is Creature who just creeps right into view and reacts dramatically, I imagine, to the Potter boy's head being in the fire. Right. Is this the first time we've seen Creature since, like, Christmas? Yeah, pretty much. He has been quite absent a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Anytime there has been a Grimald Place scene. Yes. But he is here for this one, and he wants to know why Harry's there. So Harry jumps straight to the point, because he only has about five minutes, and says, we're serious. This elf is so infuriating. I tell you, like... Caps Lock Harry probably wished that he could just climb the rest of the way through the fireplace and throttle him because all Creature does is laugh and say, Master's gone out. This little motherfucker. <laughs> right? Harry tries to ask more questions and just keeps getting more laughs. Mm-hmm. So finally he's just like, is there anyone else there? And Creature's just like, nope, Creature's all alone. Starts making a comment about how he's going to go have a chat with his mistress because his master has been keeping him away from her and makes his way out of the room. But Harry yells after him one last time, like, did Sirius go to the Department of Mysteries? Mm -hmm. Creature stops, turns back around and says, master doesn't tell Creature where he's going. Which is believable. (laughs) Of course. It is totally believable. And Harry's just like, yeah, maybe, but you know. Yeah. And there's just a moment of silence before Creature laughs again because it's really frustrating. And then he says, Master will not come back from the Department of Mysteries. And Creature and his mistress are all alone again. And then he scurries from the room before Harry can ask him anything else. And this is where we're cutting the book chapter because... It's almost like what kind of is happening to lead to this point sort of is about to be what happens in the movie. Yeah. What then happens next lines up better with what is about to happen in the movie. It just wasn't a clean cut and this was as good as we could get it. Yeah. It's the best we're going to do and deal with it. (laughs) (laughs) We sure are trying to. I know my head has been in a spin doing this movie and book because I'm just like, okay, what, what section? What? It's crazy. But since the only actors in this very short movie section were the main three, we can just move right on to the Potter pondering. What do you think Hermione should have said to Harry about his vision of Sirius being tortured to try and avoid his caps lock reaction? Find the post on our Facebook page and share your thoughts or call us at 216-526-6792 and leave your responses a voicemail. Make sure you start off telling us your name and then go into your answer. Don't forget, you can also stitch your response on TikTok. We really look forward to reading, hearing, and seeing them. There's no Sorting Hat story this week, but as always, we are still accepting them. Big facts. You can email them to us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, Patronus, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else you might want to share with us. Or you can message it to us over social media. This week's trivia question is, what spell did Umbridge have placed all around her doorway after the last Niffler got into her office? The first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word, hashtag foolish boy, will get a sticker. 
Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us through iTunes or Facebook. Make sure to email us at forfoxsakepodcast at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we will get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at foxsakepod. Following us on Podbean at foxsakepod.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. You can also go to our website at forfoxsakepodcast.com to check out our For Fox Sake and Harry Potter related merchandise for sale. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post our weekly podcast episodes, cooking show episodes, vlogs, bloopers, and other random videos. If you would like to support us as a patron, you can sign up on patreon.com slash foxsakepod. $2 and up a month will get you some awesome perks like For Fox Sake swag, access to patron-only Facebook groups, chats, our Discord channel, virtual hangouts, and more. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated, even if it's just telling your Harry Potter friends about us. And if you don't have any Harry Potter friends, there's another reason to join our Patreon, because you will meet some of the best Harry Potter people ever. I mean, just the best people ever, really. There's that too. Period. End of sentence. And join us next week when we talk about the second half of Chapter 32, Out of the Fire, and the fairly corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. And in the meantime... Keep calming Harry on! Oh, for fuck's sake.